This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's take God's word and go to Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 46. Mark chapter number 10. And if you would find verse number 46. As we come to Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 46, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples are traveling to Jerusalem. They're traveling to the Passover feast and it will be uh, this week, will be the final week once Jesus enters into Jerusalem, the final week before his death upon the cross. And so as we'll read in chapters 11 through 16, we will read of the final, or the events rather, of the final week of the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> of course, that will culminate with his sacrificial death upon the cross of Calvary and then with his glorious resurrection from the grave. And what we find in, in these closing chapters of the Gospel of Mark is very important for us to consider. As we come to chapter number 10, we're going to record, or we're going to read, rather, of the final convert, at least the final convert that was uh, given to us in any written record before the death of Jesus. And so this is the, the last convert, if you will, before his death upon the cross. We know that after his death, the Roman centurion stepped forward and said, truly, this man was the son of God. As far as we know, he was convert number one. But I think it's important for us to note what happens here with this final convert before uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. And it is obviously important to us because God recorded it in his word. And so may we take note of it this morning. Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 46. And they, that is the disciples in Jesus, came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, the Bible tells us in the gospel according to Matthew, this same miracle is recorded, that there were two blind men who were seated together and who heard that Jesus passed by. But we find in Mark's record, we find that only Bartimaeus is spoken of. Uh, we find that the Bible says concerning Bartimaeus in verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David. Don't lose the significance of that statement. Have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, 
but he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 42, and Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. So we, rec- we, 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 we see here, we, we understand here that not only did this blind man receive his physical sight, but he also received spiritual sight. Not only did he uh, receive physical healing, he received spiritual life. He became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved from his sin. That's really the great miracle here, isn't it? Is that God would save a lost sinner, that God would would provide the way of salvation for him, that the Lord would draw that sinner to himself, and that the Lord would forgive the transgressions and the sins of that man because of the payment of his son upon the cross of Calvary, the cross to which Jesus is headed as he is met with these two men. And these men not only received their physical vision, they received spiritual life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 11, when the Lord Jesus Christ was questioned by John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, he responded, to them, he responded to them in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so I want to speak to you just a few minutes on this subject this morning. The blind receive sight. The blind receive sight. And here is a blind man, Bartimaeus, and a companion who is not named, who both receive their sight. And as we consider this wonderful miracle this morning, we'll note three things. We'll note, number one, a miserable cry a miserable cry. We'll note, secondly, a merciful call. And then finally, a miraculous conversion. Jesus and his disciples are along the road. They're heading to Jericho. And as they draw near to Jericho, and we understand that Jericho at this time was a a beautiful place. It was a, a populated place. It is a place where Herod had built great buildings and it is a place where he uh, had his winter headquarters. It was his vacation getaway. The lush tropical climate of that place uh, it made it a, a wonderful place to stay. It was a fertile place. A lot of 
plants and a lot of beautiful gardens were located there. And Jesus is walking through this busy place that would have been crowded at this time of the year by the travelers who were coming from Galilee uh, into Jerusalem for the Passover and by the merchantmen who would have been uh, taking the highway uh, as they went about their commerce and their business. It was a beautiful scenic place. There were wonderful, beautiful, impressive mountains in the backdrop and beautiful structures there in the city. And so it was a busy place. It was a place where people came to rest. It was a place where people came to do business. And the Lord Jesus and his disciples are passing through, and they're confronted with two blind men. As we look at this, we note, first of all, a miserable cry. Notice it, if you would please, again, in verse number 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Uh, we find here that Bartimaeus is named. We understand that Bartimaeus became a faithful Christian and follower of the Lord Jesus and became a faithful servant in the early church in Jerusalem. And as such, he was well-beloved and became a stalwart leader in the church in Jerusalem. And therefore, the significance of naming him is explained with those thoughts. And so we find Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. That's how he is known, by this physical attribute, this physical malady. We find that he was blind. Now, we understand that many in that day attributed uh, physical blindness to judgment of God upon some sin in the life of the person who was blind. Remember when the Lord Jesus healed the man who was born blind? And the disciples asked him before he healed him, who did sin that this man was born blind? It reveals an attitude. It reveals a perception, uh, a thought that they had concerning those who were blind, that they were blind as a result of the judgment of God upon sin. And as Jesus went on to explain, this man is not blind because of any sin in the life of, 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 of his own life or the life of his parents, but he was born blind for the glory of God because the Lord Jesus was going to do a great miracle in his life. And so here's Bartimaeus now, and he's sitting there along the road, and we're told that he's blind. And we understand that the prevalent thought of the day by those who had vision is that perhaps Bartimaeus is blind because of some sin, some iniquity in his life. Therefore, blindness is a picture throughout the Bible, the Old Testament and the New. Blindness is a picture of the sinner in his lost condition who is unable to see spiritual truth, who is unable to see and discern what is really taking place in the world today. Not only is that an ailment which believers, or rather non-believers suffer from, spiritual blindness, but it is also an ailment that sometimes affects those of us who know the Lord because of the sinfulness of our flesh and the influences of the world, we can grow those cataracts that sometimes dim and cloud our spiritual vision. And so we find this man was blind. He couldn't see. He was in darkness. What you and I take for granted, he was unable to see. 
Not only was he blind, but we see he was begging. He was begging. As a result of his blindness, he's unable to work. He's, he's unable to earn any type of income, and therefore he is dependent upon the charity of the people who pass by him. He is dependent upon them fully to meet his physical needs. He has to eat. He has, he has to try to have some income so that he can have some clothing and some shelter. And, and so there's no way for him as a blind person in that day to earn an income. There are no social government programs. And so he's dependent upon the generosity of the passers-by to give. He's a beggar. Here we see him by the roadside, a poor, blind beggar. But he wasn't deaf. He was blind, but he wasn't deaf. Notice what the Bible says in verse number uh, uh, 47. And when he, what's the next word? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 18, and hearing the multitude in, in Luke 18, 36, that Bartimaeus, hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. Now, obviously, Jericho is a busy place, lots of travelers passing through. And at this time of the year, it's especially a busy place. But through town comes Jesus and his disciples. And that made business pick up a whole lot in Jericho because everybody wanted to be near Jesus. It won't be long before he enters into Jerusalem and they'll lay the palms in front of him and they'll sing praises to God. And no, no matter where he is, there's a crowd that is following him. And what are they seeking to do? Well, they're seeking to get to him. They're seeking to touch him as the woman who had the issue of the blood. They just want to be with Jesus because he can meet the needs of their life. And so here's this this busy place, but it's unusually busy today because Jesus and his disciples are passing through. Now, I want you to think about the thoughts that were occupying the mind of Jesus as he goes up to Jerusalem. What is he thinking of? He's thinking of the awful death that has been appointed to him from the foundation of the world. He's thinking about the suffering that he is about to endure for our sakes. And along the way, he is interrupted by the cries of a poor, blind beggar who hears, it's Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And there is no doubt that this poor, blind beggar was excited to hear that news, to hear that Jesus was finally coming by him. By the way, could that poor, blind beggar find his way to Jesus? Absolutely not. He had to have somebody lead him to the side of the road where he could beg. He'd heard about Jesus. That is obvious to us because when he hears that it is Jesus, notice what he does. He does what you and I should do when we hear about Jesus. He cries out for Jesus. Can I ask you a question? What does a poor blind beggar do when he hears that Jesus is passing by? Well, if he has any sense, pardon the expression, he cries out to the one who can meet his needs. He cries out to Jesus. No doubt, day by day, as people would pass by, he would hold some kind of a, uh, some kind of a can or some kind of a container forward, and he would cry out for alms, and he would ask 
for some coins or some, some bills to be given to him. He, he would no doubt cry out to those passers-by, but today it's not just any passer-by. This is Jesus of Nazareth, you know, the one who healed the demoniac, the one who made the lame man to walk again, the one who raised the girl uh, from death unto life. That same Jesus is passing by. And can I say to you today that that same Jesus is passing by today? You may wonder what all the commotion is about. It's about him. He's passing by. I wonder as we hear the voice of Bartimaeus as he cries out, this miserable cry, I wonder if we're crying with him. Have mercy. Have mercy. He cried out in desperation. He cried out in hope, and he, he cried out for mercy. That's what he needed. He needed mercy. Do you know that our God is a God of mercy? People say, well, I don't want to go to church. Those people are so judgmental. That may be true at times. But let me tell you, our God is a God of judgment. And there will come a day when every person will stand before a holy God. You'll stand in either one of two judgments. You'll stand as a believer in the judgment seat of Christ. You'll give an account for the deeds done in this body with the opportunity that you have. And then if you are an unbeliever, you will stand at the great white throne judgment. You will stand there and be judged before a holy God. Your sin will be overwhelming. There will be no argument against a holy, righteous God. And the Bible says that afterwards, every unbeliever will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. You see, there is coming a time for each of us when we will meet together with God in judgment. But I'm glad to tell you that before that happens, there are abundant opportunities for you to receive the mercy of God. In Exodus chapter number 34, when the Lord revealed himself unto Moses, when Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. The Bible tells us in Exodus 34 and verse 5, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. If you want to see the glory of God, listen to the voice of God. You know the Bible that you hold in front of you? If you want to see the glory of God, get in it. Read it. Allow it to speak to you. And so God is speaking here. In verse number 6, and the Lord passed by, before him and proclaimed the Lord that's Jehovah the Lord God that's Jehovah Elohim the covenant keeping all, all powerful almighty God what do you want me to know about you Moses said no he didn't say that but if he could have that's, that's the thought here the Lord God here's what I want you to know about me Moses Here's how I want you to see me in my glory. Are you listening, church? The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. 
Hey, can I tell you something about God? He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. The Lord is not in the heavens waiting to hit you over the head with a billy club. May I tell you that his hands, his nail-pierced hands, his thorn-riven brow is turned to you with open arms, and he's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, this man cried out, and he cried out for mercy, and he found it in Jesus. And then notice the acknowledgement that he makes. Jesus, in verse 47, thou son of David, again in verse 48, thou son of David. Do you know that this blind beggar acknowledged what those Pharisees would never acknowledge, that Jesus was the son of David, meaning, meaning that he is the Messiah. And by the way, he was the son of David on both sides of his family. His mother, Mary, and his adoptive father, Joseph. We know who his true father was. His true father was God. But on both sides, Mary and Joseph, he was the son of David. Friend, if there was ever anybody who had the rightful place to the throne of David, it's Jesus And these blind Pharisees who thought they could see would not receive that truth. But here's a man who acknowledged this blind beggar. I don't know how he knew it, but he did know it, which leads me to understand that it was common knowledge in that day that Jesus was the son of David. It is no doubt that he is the Messiah. Now, I want to tell you that ought to give you strength and faith in the word of God. It was apparent. It was obvious. But they chose many to reject that truth. And here's what he cried out. He cried out for mercy. Now, notice when he cried what happens to him. Would you notice that? Verse 48, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. Hey, 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 keep it down over there, Bartimaeus. What you so excited about? Oh, don't you know who that is? That's Jesus, the son of David. That's the Messiah. He's the one who brought the dead girl to life. He's the one who who cast the demons out of the maniac of Gadara. That's who that is, and I need him to help me. And so the Bible said he didn't stop crying out. No, no, he cried out the more. Can I ask you a question? What does it take to silence you? What does it take to cause you to tighten those lips together? What does it take to keep you from Jesus? A miserable cry. I want you to notice a second thing, a merciful call. In verse number 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Aren't you glad old Bartimaeus was determined for God to hear his voice? And he cried out. Now, here's Jesus and his disciples. They're walking through this crowded, noisy place. The press is no doubt upon them. Many people are saying, Jesus, many people are crying, trying to get his attention. But in the midst of all of that noise and all of that commotion and in the midst of a world of commotion in which we live, can I tell you that Jesus always hears the cry of the poor blind beggar? 
Listen, if you'll cry out to God, let me tell you, friend, on the authority of God's word, God will hear your cry. How many times do we read where the psalmist said, I cried unto the Lord and he heard my cry. You see, when we get desperate enough to call on the Lord, I mean desperate enough. The problem with us is we're not desperate. The problem with the lost world is that it's not desperate for Jesus. Instead of being desperate for Jesus, many despise Jesus. But here's a man who understands his need. His need is mercy. He knows that he's blind. He knows that he cannot see. He knows that he has no provision of his own. And so he calls out, crying out to Jesus, and Jesus hears, as the songwriter said, our faintest cry. He hears us. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through in your life. But I will tell you this. If you'll call on Jesus, he will hear you. He will hear you. You know what happened when Jesus heard the cry? He stood still. Aren't you glad to know he's never too busy for you and I? Jesus is never too busy. He's never too busy for you and I. And he demonstrates compassion for the man. Notice what he does. He commanded him to be called. Now, not only is the Lord working in the life of the blind man, but he's working in the lives of the other people and his disciples. Now, notice what he does. He commands him to be called. He could have done it himself, right? I mean, Jesus could have walked to the man. I'm sure there was a great crowd between him and the man. And so Jesus said this. You get him to me. You call him. I command you to call him. The Bible says he commanded him to be called. And so through his compassion, he commands the crowd or some in the crowd to go to the blind man and say to the blind man, Jesus wants to see you. Have the bells started to chime in your heart and mind? You see, I imagine the disciples were thinking as they heard Jesus talk about his imminent death and they knew they were going to Jerusalem and the talk was picking up. I'm sure their mind was preoccupied with those thoughts as well. There's no time for some blind beggar on the side of the road. I mean, he's probably blind as a result of the sin in his own life. We don't have time for this guy. The people of this city can take care of him. We don't have time. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus sees the unseen, he hears the unheard, and he looks upon those who are overlooked? And he says, hey, fellas, I heard that guy's cry. I heard his cry. And that's important to me. And it ought to be important to you. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell him that I called him to myself. Well, isn't that what Jesus gave us to do? Are you a Christian today? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Are you a part of the Tabernacle Baptist Church or a part of some other Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church? Do you know what we're here for? It's not to have a club. 
It's not to be comforted. I like the nice plush chairs that we have. I love the beautiful auditorium that we have. I thank God that we get to hear this beautiful music, don't you? I'm grateful that God has given us instruments to play. I'm thankful for everything that we have. But can I tell you that all of this is just, are, they're just simply tools to help us grow in Jesus so that we can serve him, so that we can do what is important to him, not what is important to us, unless what is important to us has become what is important to him. And may I make it clear to you that what is important to him at this moment as he's going to the cross is the cry of the poor blind beggar. It takes priority over everything. I wonder sometimes, why is that not important to us? The lost are all about us, perishing and going to hell. Instead of getting upset about that, we're upset if somebody's in our place. Thank God help us. May God help us. Bartimaeus is out there, and he's crying out for mercy, but we don't even hear his cry. And Jesus says, go, call him. But, Lord, I'm too busy. i got work to do today. Don't you understand? I've got to get things done. I, I got to build up my retirement account. I, I, I got to expand my business operation. Wait a minute. That's more important than serving Jesus? Well, it is to many. Oh, we would never say that. We would never say that, but our actions demonstrate it. When is the last time you took the message of the gospel to a lost sinner? When is the last time you said to blind Bartimaeus, hey, be of good comfort, he calleth thee. That may be the very word they need to hear. You see, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus isn't calling until he hears that it's Jesus. May God help us as a church. May God help us. Let me tell you what will close the doors of the Tabernacle Baptist Church. Let me tell you what will cause us to lose the blessing of God upon our church. It's when we get too busy and when our ears get too full of the things of this world and we get so consumed with ourselves that we neglect the blind Bartimaeus all along the streets of Hickory. He said, you go tell them, I'm calling. By the way, you cannot, you cannot excuse your disobedience in this command. There is no excuse for you, and there is no excuse for me. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If I, as your pastor, said, listen, ignore that verse. It's not for you. Do you know what you would do? You would have a meeting, and you would say, we got to get rid of this guy. And you'd be right to do it. 
But what's worse, for me to say it or us to live like it? For us to excuse away our disobedience. He commanded them to go and call him. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. Can I tell you that softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. This may be the last opportunity somebody has to answer his call. Bartimaeus is never going to see Jesus again as a blind man. I mean, if he sits there and keeps his mouth closed, he says, I don't want to make a fuss. I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want anybody to think bad of me. Do you know where Jesus is leaving and heading to? Jerusalem to die on the cross. Bartimaeus will never have that opportunity again. And this could be somebody's last opportunity to respond to Jesus. This could be some believer's last opportunity to say, I'll tell somebody about Jesus. And Jesus gives him a merciful call. May God help us to hear his command. May God help us to respond as unbelievers if that's where we find ourselves this morning. When he says, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Do you know that the mercy that Bartimaeus so desperately needed was abundantly extended? And we see a third thing. I'm closing quickly here, a miraculous conversion. What happens? Bartimaeus goes to Jesus. He receives his sight. Notice what the Bible says in, in verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Do you, do you, know, what, you know what was the vehicle of the power of God operating in his life? It was his faith. The fact that he believed. Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you truly believe that? He responded in faith. He heard those comforting words. He responded to the invitation of Jesus. And in faith, he cast his garment aside. Notice in verse 50, and he casting away his garment. That was the outer garment that he would have worn. It would have protected him from the sun. It would have protected him from the cold. As a beggar, as someone without shelter out there on the streets, he needed that outer garment. No doubt it was full of stains and dirt, and, and the elements uh, uh, had beaten upon it because it was the only shelter he had during those daytime hours. And when he went to Jesus, he said, I don't need this anymore. I'm getting rid of this. Some of us can't get to Jesus because we can't get rid of that cloak, the cloak of our sin. He goes to Jesus. Jesus says, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Lord, don't give me a nickel. Don't give me a dime. Don't give me a job. Don't feel sorry for me and help me get to the next day. No, Lord, what I need is I need my sight because I'm blind. Are you willing to acknowledge the blindness of your own soul and ask Jesus to shine the glorious light of the gospel into your soul and give you spiritual life that you never had?
Maybe as a church member, you're here this morning and you've never truly been born again. You've never truly been saved. It's been, you've never experienced the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Holy Ghost. Would you come to Jesus? Would you come to him and say, Lord, don't just clean me up. Save me. Save my lost soul. I want to be in heaven with you. Oh, would God speak to us? He said, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. In faith, he cast away that garment. In faith, he came to Jesus with his need. In faith, he continued to follow Jesus. Notice the closing part of verse 52. And immediately, as he responded to God's word, he received his sight. And notice this, please. He followed Jesus in the way. You didn't have to beg Bartimaeus to come to church. You didn't have to wonder where he was Sunday after Sunday. He followed Jesus. He continued. God made a difference in his life. And can I tell you that Bartimaeus rode after that was a tough road because it led to Calvary. The first sight he saw was the face of Jesus, the one who gave him sight, the one who extended mercy. And then he saw that precious Savior spat upon and beaten and mocked and crucified. That's the path of discipleship. It's no easy road, but it is the road that we walk down as followers of Jesus. He continued by faith. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.